and welcome to another episode of Bailiwick Podcasts. I'm Jodie Yetram and today I will be speaking with marine conservationist Kevin McElwee. Kevin is the chair of a local charity called Jersey Marine Conservation and he also leads a team of divers who document marine life in our waters. In this episode, we're taking a closer look at one of Kevin's key projects. Since 2015, he's been involved with exploring and documenting the lesser known Sauvage Reef. The reef is located 20 miles from Jersey's coast and it's very rich in species. However, it is under threat due to a lack of protection from fishing, which is something that marine conservation charities have been pushing for. The name Sauvage translates to wild in French, which is a fitting description given its strong currents and challenging diving conditions. Despite this, Kevin and other researchers have been studying it for years, which has led the government to consider making it a protected area. Today, we're going to dive into the history and ecology of the reef, the importance of marine conservation, and what the future holds for this hidden gem. So, Kevin, welcome. Really nice to have you here. It would be great if you could just start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do. I'm Kevin McElwee. I'm the chairman of Jersey Marine Conservation. And I really have several hats, but in the beginning, what I was doing was gathering data, which would be in support of marine protection proposals. Out of that, we've grown an education side where we go into schools and tell the youngsters about the incredible creatures that live in the rock pools and intertidal areas uh, and keep pretty busy because what I'm trying to do is to make sure that that information uh, goes into the right hand so that it helps with decision making and also of course as a charity quite a lot of expense I mean we've got a, a seven meter rib that we use for a lot of our research work so always needing to raise funds in support of that I'm involved with university students as well. They come along and they say they'd like to investigate seagrass or seals, dolphins. How can they go about it? And I like to support those kind of projects. It's really good when somebody actually comes along and says, this is what I want to do, rather than me trying to persuade people to actually get involved. For sure. And you are the coordinator for an organisation called Sea Search. Yes. Uh, sea Search actually was formed by a group within the Marine Conservation Society UK who were divers. And they said that they could gather a lot of information on dives, that divers were often seeing things and that information would be really useful. Um, but divers didn't really know what they were looking at you know it was a fish or it was a you know was it a plant what was it so they set up a structure for all of that and throughout the the British Isles there are groups that go into the sea gather the data that's expanded now there are people that are doing it through snorkeling even just wandering about and I think the key part about it is it's a methodology that is approved so if a person sees something and can reasonably identify what it is that information will go into the national database and it's there then for the researchers who are looking into those areas and want to get some kind of a picture of what actually is is happening not just kind of a, a snapshot but a continuous update on those areas as well so if an area has been for example created as a marine protection area they're looking at 
what effect that's had actually on that seabed community. And why is it so important to have all of this data sort of recorded? If you are trying to get an area protected, the question is maybe going to come from the fishermen or people that have got properties or use that area for recreation is, well, you know, why do you need to do this? Uh, How is it going to affect me? And so it's quite important that we demonstrate that those areas need to be protected. So, you know, what's key to it? Well, there are commercial fish that... Uh, are important to the fishing industry there are also species that are food sources for those creatures there are areas where those creatures breed uh, and develop through their juvenile stages so all of those um, aspects are key uh, parts of our marine environment if we didn't have a marine environment we wouldn't have a land-based environment either Our marine areas need to be protected if we're going to ensure that species survive long term and also that our climate isn't radically altered through climate change. I'd say isn't. it's very difficult now to actually stop this process. I think the process is really now one of trying to slow it down. Uh, but if we can do that in any way by, for example, storing carbon in our sea grasses and our kelps, well, that's going to be incredibly beneficial. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do is to, first of all, identify where those areas are, demonstrate why they are important, and then help by supplying that information to those uh, people in a position of authority that can actually put forward marine protection areas. And one area that you've been investigating for a number of years and that you've identified is very, very diverse and a very special habitat is the Sauvage Reef. And I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about its characteristics and why that area is so special. Jersey waters are quite unique. We have a high tidal range. That tide is bringing in um, nutrients. It's bringing in things what we call like plankton. Uh, important food sources for crabs, um, some of our fish species, mollusks, stuff like that. And the Sauvage Reef sits in an, in a kind of almost like a crossroads of currents. Um, I guess if I was talking to people, maybe a little bit travelled, uh, maybe if they could picture somewhere like Ayers Rock underwater, um, slightly modified in the... In recent years, we've found that actually there is a, a canyon that goes east to west in it and one that goes north to south. There are cliff faces, overhangs, boulders. And in amongst all of that, there are these uh, incredible what we, sunset cup corals, an anemone, beautiful looking, but also an indicator of a very rich uh, environment, an area that's not been polluted. So what we're looking at really in the Sauvage Reef is this unique area that has managed to survive against the rest of our seabed, which unfortunately has been heavily damaged by some of the the fishing activities that have gone on there. So the Sauvage Reef is working as a stepping stone in that if creatures can breed on that area, then they can then spread to other areas as well. So that means that Potentially, the Sauvage will supply um, key 
creatures to other reef areas and of course spread throughout our, our waters and all of the surrounding Channel Islands and French coastal waters as well. So it's a stepping stone area. So as well as being incredibly beautiful, uh, an area of some of the rarer crustaceans that, that we now uh, are not seeing so many of in our waters, we're seeing down there. There are a huge number of these things that we call mermaids' purses. And they're actually the, the kind of eggs that the, uh, the rays uh, have, have actually given birth to attached to again another key species which is the the pink sea fan this huge gorgonian and and when you look at that you can see that the all of these ray eggs are all attached to those so it's a very important area for for ray breeding Uh, when we've been down there we've seen the sunfish feeding on the jellyfish in those waters we've seen the dolphins down there feeding we know that the seals go down there so all of these creatures right the way from the bottom to the top of the food chain the food pyramid are actually using that area to to feed and survive and breed wow it sounds absolutely amazing i was just wondering if you could tell us a couple of your favorite finds when you've been diving down there well you can imagine this sort of uh, a kind of a, a mesh uh, an orange big mesh, like a big fan that mm-hmm. somebody would use to keep themselves cool but about a meter and a half high now in our waters i might come across those those gorgonians but they might be no more than about half a meter tall now also when you look at a fan like that you can actually age it because they only grow at about 15 centimeters a year so our sea fans probably 10 to 15 years of age down on the sauvage these are a meter and a half high now you're beginning to say well wow they've been around a long time and what you're actually seeing is it's like a forest you know you go in a forest and you've got small trees growing and then you've got these big trees that have been around for hundreds if not thousands of years and you've got that whole spectrum of life that's gone on way longer than we've existed and that's what we're getting down there we've got Um, remnants of at the time when all of that area was covered with ice not water Mm -hmm. Um, we've also got the sunset cut coral not just individually but some of the overhangs and caves are absolutely plastered with them uh, on their ceilings and their walls so it's not just them existing there it's the abundance of them as well so these are kind of unique capsules of these rare and unusual creatures. So despite all this diversity and the abundance of species, I understand that the area is not protected? No, I mean, really, very little of Jersey waters are protected. Mm -hmm. There are different mechanisms, but what there still isn't in place in some key areas is protection that stops um, the seabed from being damaged, for example, by these rakes that are taken across the seabed to to get scallops Uh, and although the sauvage reef isn't really conducive to that type of activity the problem is is that the the boats have got such incredible technology that they can go right up to the edges so so those peripheral areas which are being used by for example crabs that have, have grown from juveniles and are spreading out it's disturbing all of those areas that merle 
which is a calcified seaweed and is a honeycomb uh, and you've got all these tiny little crabs in there and worms and stuff like that but when a, a dredger goes over that it's like breaking a piece of chalk that you would write on a board with mm-hmm. and it just turns to dust and it, and that then means that that whole um, network for these minute creatures has been completely destroyed and potentially will not ever recover again so you know there's the impact of that i think that although normally people would say well things like potting do not affect areas unfortunately because um there's been these lengths of pots put down onto those areas um there has been damage because the the ropes move around in the currents and tides Mm -hmm. and of course that is damaging these important sea fans as well so you know what we've got to really try to do is to bring in some form of a a mechanism Uh, and there are different ones obviously there's ones that restrict the amount of fishing going on there are mechanisms that say that you know that you can't take anything from those areas Uh, and i think in the case of the sauvage given its diversity and importance i think that what we really need is something a bit like the restrictions that are in place in portlet bay Mm -hmm. which is a no-take zone Mm -hmm. and this is only a small area that's the other thing is that you know not asking the commercial fishermen to give up huge areas um it's it's a relatively small area so it just bans fishing altogether in a, in a, in small, a small protected area area yeah. however i have to be a little bit reserved in that comment because i think that if you start putting in um legislation we we all know things like you know if we're driving our car and we're told well you can only drive at 20 mile an hour well you know we we, we kind of might go a little bit faster but in general a far more effective way of doing this is to get people to actually support it, understand why it's important and want to protect it because they know the benefits of it. So, you know, although legislation is, is a way forward, in the end, unless people really support how important it is and want to see it survive, um, really, you know, it's not going to be as effective as, as it it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So does this tie into your work around going to schools and raising awareness of Jersey's waters and why they're so special? Well, they're youngsters, you know, they one day they're going to be adults. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the, the children that speak to me, they say, oh, my dad's a fisherman or even my mum's a fisherman, you know, <laughs> or, you know or, or sells fish or whatever. And, um, you know, they ask us questions and then they go home and they ask their parents what they're doing, you know. Uh, so the parents probably don't really like me because... <laughs> kids going home and saying mom why are you doing this or dad why are you doing that you know but um i think that they need to know this i i i youngsters on our island they have get a hard time don't they because it's like they they get all this stuff at school about well you know we need to really think about conservation and we've got climate change and they go through college and they go through university and they, they're all into conservation and they would love to become conservationists and they look down the drop list, you know, there's like, you know, finance this and bank this and whatever. And, and there's actually very little opportunity for them to be conservationists. Mm-hmm. So by trying to get them to understand the importance as youngsters, I'm rather hoping that they will bear that in mind when they're unfortunately in jobs that maybe are not so <laughs> conservation minded and when they're having children of their own and they're trying to get their children to understand it. 
there's probably a bit of a sinister side as well because you know we we we're at the moment you know we're, we're very concerned about things but it's not having a massive impact on our lives but what will it be like in 10 or 20 years time it could be mm-hmm. a lot more se- serious and so those youngsters are going to have to deal with those sort of things so again you know you don't want to put children in fear of the future but i think it's quite important that they actually support the need for mm-hmm. protecting our environment and, and it's such a big part of jersey's identity and history obviously the ocean and the marine environment and I was just wondering have you noticed sort of any changes in Jersey's waters since you've been diving? Um, I think that I mean certainly some of the areas that were being dredged are not being dredged now. Mm -hmm. And Um, what were those areas? Well particularly areas for example off our east coast Mm -hmm. um, where zones have been put in place Mm -hmm. and i've dived those sites and they are looking much more healthy Mm -hmm. um and and you know give it two or three years more and those seabeds will have the potential to be productive so yeah there is recovery going on there but what we've got to avoid is that suddenly then it almost becomes like a gold rush where people say wow you know (laughs) it's all back again let's just get in there and grab what we can Mm -hmm. uh we we just can't allow that um uh, and then of course you know obviously um in terms of the uh the, the the species that we're seeing in our waters i mean we you know we are seeing the bluefin tuna coming back into our waters we're seeing um as well as bottled nose dolphins a lot more common dolphins mm-hmm. within our waters well you know they are indicator species so if they're in our waters then there must be the food resources in there as well so you know there are there are signs of recovery it's a it's a tug of war because you know we see we're trying to help the environment recover but then like now you know we've had all these storms mm-hmm. which have done in, an incredible amount of damage to the seabed they've they've ripped away the kelps far more rapidly than they normally would be exposed some of the the other seaweeds and stuff like that so it, it is the, um, a game of um, trying to keep pace with with what is occurring due to due to climate change mm-hmm. um, so yeah there is some recovery but um, we can't really be, be complacent about it. Mm-hmm. We can't say that we've dealt with it. There's still a long way to go. And what's next for Jersey Marine Conservation and Sea Search? What other projects do you have or what other things are you investigating? Well, um, there's a few that we've got ongoing. Um, one I've not mentioned about is seagrass. Mm-hmm. And what we have been looking at is replacing the mooring systems in St Catharines as an example because the moorings do do a lot of damage to the the seagrass and what we've uh, proposed to Ports of Jersey is an environmental system which they've accepted they've put three trial systems in we've been monitoring those looking at whether in fact they're able to uh, function without damaging the seagrass if that works their proposal is to put a lot more of those in in St Catharines area so that seagrass area which is huge but severely damaged by the moorings will will recover more we're also been looking at our seal population uh get a lot of reports apparently recently there's been four pups washed up well surprisingly 
we don't really know where the seals go. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, a report that I was reading um, last week was that there was a one or two seals that the French had actually seen that had come all the way from the west coast of Cornwall. Wow. So, you know, um, the question is, is do the seals stay in, in our islands or do they move around? Oh, yeah. and so, you know, do they move around because of, of their, their feeding habits and stuff like that and breeding habits? So, you know, look, we're learning more about that. Mm-hmm. So we've been going on a monthly basis to the minkies, ecros, pats at Nostra Reefs and trying to identify the individual seals and then hopefully people can look out for those and see how much they're moving around. We've been going back to some of the areas that we have previously surveyed mm-hmm. and looking at how they've changed the areas that are protected, areas that are not protected and updating that. Um, so, so you know, we've we've been active on that, um, and then also we've there are I mean there are lots of areas around our waters that still have not been surveyed, and so we're trying to build up that picture of where these key reef sites are, and whether we should be considering those within the uh, the future protection mechanisms, mm-hmm. marine spatial plan that look has looked at a lot of the data that, that we've collected mm-hmm. and they are saying that they want to monitor uh, what is happening, they need to monitor it. Um, so we'll be doing a lot more of that. I suppose you know, if, if there was a, a general trend in our, in our activities, it's that now that we, we know more and we know about the key areas and the key species, we're focusing on those because they are giving us indicators mm-hmm. of how our marine environment is changing. So it's it's focusing on mm-hmm. specific species or specific areas. If people want to learn more about these projects you've done, how would they go about finding this Well, we've got a really good website, mm-hmm. jerseymarineconservation.org. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they really are welcome to have a look at that website. Uh, Facebook, we're trying to keep the Facebook going as much <laughs> as we can. We've got a, doing some talks, which um, people listening to this might be interested in. Uh, on the 29th of January, we've put together a little celebration of World Wetlands Day that will be in the Geopark Theatre at the Town Museum Monday evening, 17.30 to 19.30 I've put together some speakers um, I'm going to be talking about the Paternoster Reef and, and that area uh, I've got Bob Tompkins he's going to talk about the archaeology of the wetland areas I've got Katie Baquet who from Marine Resources who's been coordinating all of the Ramsar areas uh, Catherine Dunn who is now my education officer and she's going to be talking about seagrass and we're going to have a panel at the end of that so people can ask questions so uh, if they want to come along to that then go along to the Jersey Heritage website and and book a seat love to see them there and you're obviously a small charity how could people support you financially well um, we do have uh, a donation systems I mean from the website if they're happy to make a donation I I like to 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 link up with people giving money you know because even if it's just 10p you know it's great 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so if they want to contact me uh, at Jersey Marine Conservation, the address is on the website. I'll get back to them uh, and I'll set something up with them so that they can they can make a donation. I mean, we do need volunteers, but um, we really do need more specialists, particularly yeah. people that can dive and take underwater photographs and people that perhaps know things about seals and things like that. Mm-hmm. We do cleanups as well, where we go into some of the remote coves and remove the fishing nets and all the bits and pieces as well so through the website is, is, is the best way to contact us and we will get back to people that want to get involved and do our best to to um, <laughs> find something that they can do perfect well thank you so much for chatting with me it's been really really interesting i've loved hearing about it and i'd love to go and visit it at some point <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well jody we'll amazing. have to you did say that you'd never been to the minkies so yeah, perhaps we need to follow this up with a summer report <laughs> on what we're doing Well, thank you so much for coming in. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Bailiwick Podcasts. I hope you enjoyed learning more about the reef and about Jersey's marine environment. If you would like to learn more, visit bailiwickexpress.com or visit jerseymarineconservation.org. Stay tuned for our next episode and thank you for listening.